Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that Connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everyone who's here in the Worship Center on the Modesto campus. Welcome to everybody who's joining us live right now in the online campus. We're excited to be with you wherever you are. If it's your first time here, welcome. We're really glad you're here. We hope today's a great encouragement to you. If it's your second time here because you came at Easter or recently, welcome back. We're really glad to have you back. I hope that today really builds you up and edifies you, equips you, pours into your life. We're looking at this topic of having true life. And it's really following what we looked at during resurrection week, during Easter time of what it is to be alive in Jesus Christ, to have real resurrection life in Jesus Christ. And so we're taking two weeks to look at that. I wanna give you an update from Easter time, from resurrection week. There were 132 people who made a decision of some sort across our campuses during Resurrection Week. They either, absolutely. <clears throat> Maybe they made a decision to come to Christ. Maybe they made a decision to come back to Christ. Maybe they made a decision to be baptized. Maybe they made a decision to become a member. But our team has been very actively following up with those 132. And the way that we were able to do that is because they let us know through the Connect card. And it might be that God's doing something in your life today, or God's gonna stir something up in your life today, and that Connect card builds an incredible bridge between us that we might know what God's doing and that we might be able to follow up with you, and I would encourage you to utilize it. Last week, during this two-week series, last week we looked at true life. What is the source? The source of true life, which is abiding in Jesus Christ. We're gonna be in John 15 again today. We were in John 15 last week. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John 15. If you don't have a Bible, I'd love to get you one. It'd be a real privilege to give you a Bible as a gift today that we can do that in two ways. For everyone who's on the Modesto campus, there's this room here, the altar room. It's a room we pray for people in after the gathering. We have free Bibles there. They're great Bibles. We'd love to give one to you as a gift. Please, come grab a Bible from our team. If you're on the online campus, you can reach out to Pastor Brandon Peterson, our online campus pastor. We would love to get a Bible to you. We want everyone to have a copy of the Word of God, that you can read it for yourself, that you can be excited. You can be excited about the Word of God. Be excited about what the Word of God says as you have it for yourself and you read it and take advantage of it. So last week we looked at true life, the source. This week we're gonna look at what does that source produce? What's the outcome of that source and it is a loving witness. But before we look at the outcome, I wanna make sure that we understand that the outcome is not possible without the source. 
In John 15, five, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches, so think vineyard. I am the vine, you are the branches, like a grapevine with great branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, so whoever's like a great branch connected to the great vine, Jesus, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So if you want grapes to be on your branch, your branch needs to be connected to Jesus. Jesus is the source and the much fruit is the outcome. And to have the outcome, you can't have the outcome apart from the source, and he's very clear. He says, from apart, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. What can you accomplish on your own to bear spiritual fruit? Nothing. You cannot produce spiritual fruit on your own. You cannot do it. For apart from me, for apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. You cannot have spiritual fruit in your life apart from the spiritual source of Jesus Christ. Abiding in Jesus, the Son of God, that's the branch connected to the vine, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus very clearly, in fact, in the chapter prior to 15, in John chapter 14, if you wanna go read on that on your own, you can hear or you can read from John 14 how Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, how he's gonna send the Holy Spirit to live with those who are his, that the Holy Spirit of God would be with them to be their helper, And so as we abide in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a direct connection that is formed to God the Father. So how can you be connected to God? Well, as a branch, you gotta be connected to the vine. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you have to abide in him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have a connection, a direct connection with God the Father. Now, the Lord gives us some things to help us. Two things I wanna note. And one of those is the living word of God. We have the living word of God that as we seek to abide with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that we might have a direct connection with God the Father, the Lord has given us his living word that we might have his living word to help us as we abide. And so as we look at the passage we're gonna look at today, we'll be looking at about the last half of John 15. We wanna do it from a place of abiding with Jesus. We want to be with Jesus as we spend time with his living word. But the Lord also allows for us to have righteous prayer. That not only his living word he's given us, but he's given us that direct connection to be able to communicate with him through righteous prayer. And the Bible has something to say about righteous prayer in James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so not only do we have the living word of God to help us abide with Jesus, but we have the ability to talk to God through righteous prayer. And as we approach him in prayer, great stuff happens. Great stuff happens in our lives. Great stuff happens to help us see how God is working around us. And I wanna talk also for a moment about the National Day of Prayer. Pastor Brandon shared a little bit about that. I wanna share with you a proclamation that our president sent out last year on the National Day of Prayer. And so let's look at these slides. You can find this document very, very easily online. It's easy to find, okay? It's a proclamation. Oh, go back one, go back one. 
a proclamation on the National Day of Prayer. You can see it was, this one was from May 5th. You won't be able to read this, but May 5th, 2021. Hopefully our president sends one out again this year. That's what I'm hoping. Okay, let's look at some excerpts from this document, okay? The First Amendment to our Constitution protects the rights of free speech and religious liberty, including the right of all Americans to pray. There's lots in this document. You can read more of it on your own. But I want to read to you a few things. Here's the next one. The Congress, by public law 100-307, as amended, has called on the president to issue each year a proclamation designating the first Thursday in May as a national day of prayer. So it's codified that the president would actually send out this document. Let's, one more. What I find really interesting at the end of this document is that it's signed in the year of our Lord. Amen. Now, there's a big debate about what this phrase, in the year of our Lord, means. I'm well aware of the debate, and you can find that debate very easily online. But I think it's really interesting that this document is signed in the year of our Lord. There will be a national broadcast uh, for the day of prayer. That's an online resource you could take advantage of. It's very well done. Let me read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 2. First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. It doesn't matter what you think about the president or people in high positions regarding this one issue, and that is you are to pray for them. It does not matter whether you like the president or people who are in positions of authority. It's irrelevant to this one issue. You're to pray for them. You are to pray. We are to be praying for those who are in positions of authority. And so we're gonna do that this week. So locally here at Big Valley Grace on Thursday night, we're gonna come together and you can see the information for that on the screen. We're gonna come together and have on Thursday night our time together. Go to that next slide. There it is. Our time together in the venue, uh, Thursday night, 7 to 8.30, and I wanna invite you to come. Isaiah 5.20 describes what we can really clearly see in our country right now. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It is so easy to see in our culture right now that evil is being called good. And darkness is being called light. And bitter is being called sweet. Now, when we see cultural outcomes around us, evil being called good, darkness being called light, bitter being called sweet, when we see cultural outcomes around us that are different than what we understand the scriptures to teach of what God would desire, what do we do? Well, we ourselves have to go back to the source, Jesus, that we might be a part of the solution for a different outcome for our culture. So when we see devastation in our culture, it should drive us to Jesus, that we might come to Jesus and we might continue to be transformed by Jesus, that we might be a part of the Jesus solution that our culture desperately needs. And our culture needs a Jesus solution. And it should drive us to him. And so we'll come together. And this is a way we can be abiding together on an issue, abiding in Jesus. And God wants there to be outcome in our life, which is the point of the passage we're gonna look at, that there's an outcome. In verse eight, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be 
my disciples. For my life to glorify God, I must bear fruit as a branch connected to the vine of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So if I want my life to bring glory to God, then my life has to have fruit, which means I must be connected to Jesus. The fruit, the spiritual fruit, is the proof of the abiding. So the outcome is the proof of the source. If there's spiritual fruit in my life, it's proof that there has been abiding with Jesus in my life. Now, there cannot be spiritual fruit which glorifies God where there is no spiritual abiding in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He also gave a warning in John chapter five. I wanna share this warning with you before we look at our main text. In John 5, 39, it says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And what he was referring to is he was referring to this part of the Bible, which would be the Old Testament. He was saying, you search, you search the scriptures to the group of people, that's what they had. You search the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you have eternal life. But it's they that bear witness about me. It, the Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament now, it, it bears witness about Jesus. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So people had the word of God and they studied the word of God, yet the word of God was pointing to Jesus and they refused to come to Jesus. The word of God communicated that life was in Jesus, yet they refused to come to Jesus. And this is a warning. This is a warning for us that somehow we would think we can produce these outcomes on our own without being connected to Jesus. To try and have the outcomes that we're gonna look at today in our life apart from Jesus will be lifeless, man-made religion. And it will not help you at all. To try and have these outcomes apart from the source of Jesus Christ will be fruitless and it will be pointless and it will be meaningless because it will not be real spiritual fruit. It will be man-produced man-made religion, which will not be helpful. In fact, it would be harmful. So, before we continue, let's pray and humble ourselves before God that we would not do what he's warning against, to ignore him in the process as, as we search the scriptures. Father God, Lord, as we spend time right now searching the scriptures, may we come to you. May we be with you. May we find life in you. God, would you protect us from trying to accomplish these outcomes on our own apart from Jesus Christ? God, would you help us not try and be you, but that we would recognize you, God, as God, and we would not try to be God? but we would humble ourselves and we would submit to God and allow you, Lord, to be you in our life, to be Lord in our life. And as we look at this text, would it excite us? Would it inspire us about what you, the source, can produce in our life? And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, amen. 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 Jesus wants us to abide in him. Jesus wants us to abide in him so that we will bear fruit in two ways. Jesus wants us to abide in him, the source, so that we will bear fruit, the outcome, in 
two ways. And we cannot attain, again, we cannot attain the outcome of bearing spiritual fruit apart from the spiritual source of abiding in Jesus Christ. So as we look at these two outcomes, we need to not try and gain these outcomes apart from Jesus. Way number one, loving one another. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Loving one another, an incredible outcome. And if I want this outcome of loving one another in my life, then I have to have the source of abiding with Jesus. Verse 12 is where we'll pick it up in John 15. We're gonna look in this section at 12 through 17. John chapter 15. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. If this verse stopped right here, this is my commandment that you love one another, I'm toast. I'm toast. If, if that's the only verse I can see, if that's all I can see, this is my commandment that you love one another. I'm toast. I, I can't get it done. Have you seen you? Have you met you? Have you spent time with you? Have you heard you? I got no shot at loving you if the verse stops right there, but it doesn't. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus has loved me. Jesus has loved you. Jesus is the source. He wants an outcome in our life. This is my commandment that you love one another. But it's not on our own that he expects it because he has first loved us. We love because he has first loved us. He says, as I have loved you, he is the source. And so now, because Jesus has loved me, I got a shot at loving you. And because Jesus has loved you, you got a shot at loving me. Then he gives a definition of the greatest type of love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He, he literally describes this is the highest form of love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, how did Jesus love them? Well, if you, if you think about that he had spent over three years with these 12, and when he shares this, he's actually in the, the time of the Last Supper, so they're in the upper room together, and it's these last moments he's having with his disciples, and we have much recorded from that time. But if you think about even in what has happened, he's washed their feet during this time. He's shown them how to be a servant leader by washing their feet. He's had one of them betray him. So the dinner party goes from 12 to 11, right, of his disciples, even in the midst of this. And after it gets reduced by one because Judas goes to betray him, he then now talks to them in, verse, in, in chapter 13 of cha uh, John. Hey, I want to give you a new command that you love one another. He talks to them about how he's the way, the truth, and the life. He explains to them about how he's going to send the Holy Spirit. When we think about how has he loved them, he has already described to them that he's going to be heading to the cross that he's gonna die. And he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I had loved you. He has loved them tremendously. And now he helps them see what the fullest extent of his love is gonna be for them. Greater love has known than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And he doesn't say it flippantly, he says it prophetically because he's gonna go do it for them. He's gonna go show them that greatest love because he's gonna lay down his life for them on the cross. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. How do you have friends? What does it mean that you have friends? Is it because you like the same stuff? Is it because you have the same sports team? Is it because you work together? Is it because you live next to each other? 
What does it mean that you have a friend? Well, Jesus describes what alignment with him is, and it's a little different than how we describe friendship. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Command you. His alignment is tied to our obedience to him. Our alignment to Jesus as his friend is tied to our obedience. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Some interesting titles here. No longer do I call you servants. So that's a title. For the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. So servants don't understand what the master is doing. And I'm not calling you that anymore. But I'm calling you friends. Why? I'm not calling you servants. I'm calling you friends because you know what the master is doing. That's what he's saying. Because all that I have heard from the father, I've made known to you. So I'm not going to call you a servant because you know what the master is doing. Because I've made it known to you. And do you see how Jesus is elevating them in this moment? He's elevating them that they would have knowledge of the Father, that they would know the Father. He raises them up in relationship with knowing the Father. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Did you know that you're wanted? You may feel unwanted. You may feel that no one has chosen you. You actually might think that everyone has rejected you, and that's not true, because Jesus wants you, and Jesus has chosen you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You may think that you're trying to choose God, but God doesn't want to choose you. Well, the reality is God has chosen you, and that's why you're able to choose him. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you. Did you know that your life has an appointment? It has a purpose? There's something for your life to fulfill. You are wanted and your life has purpose. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Your life is meant to be productive. You are wanted by God. You are purposed by God so that your life would be productive in him. And you may think your life is heading nowhere and producing nothing. And that is not the picture that God has for you and for your life. He wants you. You have purpose in him. And your life can be productive in him. And that your fruit should abide. You might think that your life can make no difference in eternity. You're not making any difference now and you're not making any difference in eternity. But what he is saying is that your life is wanted and it's purposed and it's productive and the production of spiritual fruit that he wants to give you would be lasting. It should abide that it would be meaningful, that you would have lasting meaning in your life because he wants you, he's purposed you, that you might be productive and that that production would be lasting that you would have meaning in Jesus. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now we gotta remember, he's saying this statement, but he also just described what alignment looks like with him. And alignment with him is tied to obedience. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you because you've already aligned up with what the Father wants. So because you've already aligned your heart and your life with what the Father wants, you're gonna ask for things that the Father wants to do. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he's gonna give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is not optional. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, remember, 
If we just see this, we go, wow, I can't do that. But we got to remember, he loved us first. He loved us first. And because he is the source, Jesus Christ is the source and he has loved us. And he wants us to abide in him. He wants us to remain in him. He wants us to be connected to him. He wants us to be in him. When we are in Jesus, Jesus will produce this outcome that we will love one another. And when we recognize that it's Jesus in us that will produce the outcome to love one another, we can look at this verse and we can be glad. These things I command you so that you love one another and we can be glad that the living Lord Jesus Christ is gonna produce this outcome in our life. And we can be expectant that he will do it and we can be thankful. And we need to not try to do this on our own. If we try to do this without Jesus Christ, we will fail every time. But God can bring this outcome. Jesus can bring this outcome. Way number one is loving one another. Way number two, bearing witness. Bearing witness. Way number one is loving one another. Way number two is bearing witness. And if I want the outcome of bearing witness for Jesus Christ, then I have to have the source of abiding in Jesus. I cannot have the outcome of bearing witness for Jesus Christ if I do not have the source of abiding in Jesus. Now, this next section, verses 18 through 27, it's gonna start really harsh, and then it will end up talking about bearing witness. But it's it's gonna start real harsh. Verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So this, is, this sentence actually is proof that Jesus is the source. So if the world hates the source and you're abiding in the source, then the world is gonna hate you. And when the world hates you, you can know that it hated the source first. That's what it's saying. It's proving that Jesus is the source. The verse goes on in verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, which is not a good thing, which is not a good sign. If the world loves you as its own, that's not positive because the world loves evil. And if the world is loving you, that's not good. And he's saying, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you're not of the world, because you're abiding in Jesus, Because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So the world loves evil and it hates righteousness. So if you are loved by the world, that's bad. If you're hated by the world, that's good. Wow, what a crazy thing we live in, right? And Jesus is saying, it it hated me first. But I chose you out of the world that you might abide in me. So to be connected with Jesus is to be in his righteousness. And the world loves evil. The world does not like righteousness. According to this text, the world hates it. The world hates righteousness. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Now, this is a great line. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Those of you who have control issues, this is a great reminder to you of who is in charge. It is not you. A servant is not greater than his master. He's not implying that you're the master. He's making it really clear. You're not in charge. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. 
you should expect to have the same experience that Jesus had. However the world dealt with Jesus, you should expect the world to deal with you. If they persecuted Jesus, they'll persecute you. If they kept his word, they'll also keep yours. What people do with Jesus is the same thing of what people would do with the people of Jesus. So however someone is handling Jesus, they will also handle the people of Jesus. And so you should expect the same experience of Jesus. Verse 21, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. And, and this is just another way for him to explain that association with Jesus directly correlates to the Father. If they understood the name of the Lord, if they understood Jesus, if they understood the Father, or if they did not understand Jesus, they did not understand the name of the Lord. They did not understand the Father. Association with Jesus directly correlates to the Father. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. What he's saying here is, when someone hears about Jesus, they now have exposure to Jesus. When someone hears the word of God, they now have been exposed to the truth, and there is an accountability to the exposure. If you come into contact with Jesus, if you come into contact with the word of God, you are now accountable to that which you have come into contact with. You have heard the truth. You have come to know what is true. You have heard the truth about Jesus and you're held accountable to that. And when somebody has been exposed to Jesus, they have no excuse because they've heard the truth. There is accountability in our lives when we are exposed to Jesus. The very nature that I am reading the word of God to you right now, you will be held accountable to the word of God that you've heard. You've been exposed to the word of God. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. This is just another way that Jesus is showing that he's in complete unity with the father. If you hate one, you hate both. If you love one, you love both. They're in complete unity. Verse 24, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. What he's describing is that these people have witnessed Jesus. They are witnesses to Jesus. They are witnesses to the words of Jesus. They are witnesses to the miracles of Jesus. And they've made a decision. They've made a decision about him. They are witnesses of him and they've made a decision about them. And the fact that they have witnessed Jesus and rejected him, that was the decision they made, they will be held accountable by their own witness and their own rejection. And the same is true for us. If we witness the truth, if we witness Jesus, if we come into contact with the living God and we reject him, we're gonna be held accountable by our own witness and our own decision. Our own coming in to experience God and rejecting him. We'll be held accountable by that also. We'll also be held accountable by our witness and our acceptance. That we would come into contact with Jesus and we would accept him. And I would encourage you to do that. Verse 25. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. And this is a, a way for Jesus to again reaffirm that he was without sin. He was sinless. He had done no wrong. He had, he had no error. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send you, so now we're gonna get to the bearing witness part. 
And in chapter 14, if you wanna read more about the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to go to chapter 14, okay, on your own. Really dig into it. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you, and this is another indication that he's gonna send the, the Holy Spirit, we're gonna receive the helper. When I send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth, referring to the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So how is it that we can have the outcome of bearing witness about Jesus Christ? Well, it is not apart from the source. It is because of the source. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes to you from the Father, the Holy Spirit will produce the outcome of your life bearing witness. The helper, the Holy Spirit, bears witness about Jesus and it requires the source. For us to bear witness about Jesus requires Jesus to be our source. For him to send the Holy Spirit from the Father to be in our lives. In verse 27, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And he's speaking now to the 11, because one dropped off. And to these 11, he's saying to these 11, his disciples, he's saying, hey, you've been eyewitnesses. You've you've been witness of me. You've been witness of my words. And you got a decision. And that decision is to accept me. And you will bear witness because you've been with me. You've been with Jesus. It's incredible. If we want to bear witness for Jesus Christ, we have to have Jesus Christ. We cannot bear witness for Jesus Christ apart from Jesus Christ. We need Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit sent from the Father by request from Jesus to be in our lives, being the one who bears witness. Way number two is bearing witness. So you put these two together, way number one, loving one another, way number two, bearing witness. You put them together and you see that Jesus wants the fruit of your life to be a loving witness. Jesus is the source, and we abide in him, and he wants an outcome for our life. And the outcome for our life is he wants the fruit of our life to be a loving witness, that when people come into contact with us, they would come into a contact with a loving witness. So I wanna give you something super practical. It's really short. It's an acronym, and it's got some questions attached to it to say, how do we do it? And we'll end in this way. Three questions to help you act as a loving witness. Again, Cannot do this apart from the source. Have to have Jesus. Have to have the source of Jesus. Have to be abiding in Jesus for us to do this. But these are three questions to help you act as a loving witness. A, acknowledge. Who's around me? Who who is around me? Am I even acknowledging who's around me? I've got one of my neighbors. I wouldn't say we have a bad relationship. I would say we have no relationship because I never see him. And two days ago, three days ago, I'm walking out to my car, which is parked a few, you know, few doors down from my house, and I actually saw him, and I was like, hello! I could have just walked by, right? Not said anything. But I ha- literally have not seen this neighbor in a very long time. Hello, it is great to see you. Are you acknowledging the people that are around you? They're probably around you for a reason. God probably has a reason for the people around you. And are you acknowledging the people who are around you? Take the opportunity as you... Become aware that there is someone around you. Take opportunity. God has you there for a reason. So take opportunity. C, calendar. Question, when can I interact with them this week? 
I don't know about you, but if something doesn't end up on my calendar, it doesn't end up. If something's not reflected on my calendar, it's not reflected in my life. When can I interact with them this week? You know, during Easter time, I had so many people of you, so many of you come to me, you know, two weekends ago on Resurrection Weekend and say, I want to introduce you to my neighbor. Clearly, the calendar was impacted in that moment because many of you said, I'm going to bring my neighbor on this specific date. Well, when can you interact with a person this week? You know, one of the ways that we invited our neighbors to Easter this year is we took pies to them. And on the first round of delivering pies, we got half of them. But it took round two, three, four, five. We had to keep contacting neighbors. I mean, we're like ships in the night. We just had to like literally find a moment where we could actually talk to our neighbor. It took, I didn't realize it was gonna be that hard to deliver pies. It took time. My wife and I have started something new. We're calling them neighbor nights. There's a specific night of the week that we invite people into our home. And when we do it, we're saying, we're always gonna invite a neighbor and we're gonna see what happens. We're just gonna, on that night of the week, whenever we invite people into our home on that night of the week, we're just gonna invite neighbors and, we're gonna see, and we've invited a bunch of neighbors. We'll see what happens. But it impacts your calendar. You gotta think about when. A is acknowledge, C is calendar, T is tell. And this question is, how's God working in my life? When someone asks you, how are you? That is a big open door for you than to explain how great you are in Jesus. How great God is. How awesome Jesus is. What it is so special that you have new life in Jesus Christ. And be ready to tell. Which means you need to spend some time thinking about what's true about your life. What's true about your life today? What's true about your life in Jesus Christ today? And are you ready when someone says, how are you to go? Let me tell you how great I am and why my life's great. Because I know Jesus and he's my source. So act as a loving witness. Simple acronym. Acknowledge the people around you. Calendar a time to interact with them. And then tell them how God is working in your life. Because of the source of Jesus Christ, he can produce this outcome in you. Because of the source of Jesus Christ, he can produce this outcome in you, that you would act as a loving witness for him. You'd acknowledge the people around you, you'd calendar a time to interact with them, and you'd tell them how God is working in your life. I wanna invite you to stand. I'm gonna share one more verse. Our team is then gonna lead us in singing to close our time. And I wanna end with this verse. Because even through everything we just talked about, it might be this is the only thing you need to hear. So we'll end with this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. It might be that today the only thing you need is to receive the love of the Lord. It might be today the only thing you need is to be a recipient of God's love to allow God to love you, to have him lavish you with his love, to have him pour out his love on you, that you would understand in the way that the Father had loved the Son, so the Son has loved you, that God loves you, and you can remain in his love, you can abide in his love. And that today would be a day that you would welcome the Lord to love you. Father God, Lord, Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you that you invite us to be connected to you, that our life might have a real purpose.
that we're wanted by you and that our life can produce something significant and meaningful because of you. Lord, thank you that you have loved us in this way. God, would we submit to the outcomes you wanna produce in our life? Would we not fight against you? Would we not battle against you in the things that you want to produce in our life? But would we welcome it? And would we humble ourselves that you would be able to work in us? And so God, help us to submit to you that we might be the representation of your love to this community and beyond. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen.